0: Thank you for leading us in worship and I'm going to be reading our sermon scripture for today which comes from Acts chapter 13 verses 42 through 52 and this is the NIV version of the Bible. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first since you reject it and do not consider yourself worthy of eternal life we now turn to the gentiles for this is what the lord has commanded us i have made you a light for the gentiles for you may bring salvation to the earth that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth when the gentiles heard this they were glad and honored the word of the lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that um, we learn of Paul and Barnabas spreading your gospel, the word, uh, your word to uh, the Gentiles um, in Pisidian, Antioch. And um, as we are um, surrounding the word, as we're taking in the word and taking in exhortation from your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be moving among us uh, to teach us to exhort us, to transform us, and to uh, reveal the power of your gospel and your Holy Spirit that continues to be working in the world and and among us. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. So last week, uh, if you remember, uh, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark were sent from Antioch, the church in Antioch, of Syria um, to the island of Cyprus and that's what began what we call now uh, Paul's first missionary journey and so from Cyprus they go on a boat and they sail back to the mainland to the southern part of Asia Minor Paul and his companions uh, in verse 13 land. they land in at Pergia and Pamphylia um, and here John Mark who was with them uh, separates from them, and departs back to Jerusalem. And uh, we don't know why uh, John Mark leaves them at this point, but we do see that in uh, chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement, and they separate. And this go back to um, John Mark uh, depart. But anyways, um, they go from Pamphylia and move on to Pisidian Antioch. And Pisidian Antioch shouldn't be confused with Uh, Antioch in Syria where the church uh, where Christians were first called Christians who sent Paul and Barnabas in the first place shouldn't be confused with that Antioch but it's um, Pisidian Antioch in um, southern Asian minor um, in the region called Galatia and many people uh, think that uh, it's not uh, too long after this visit to Antioch in Galatia that Paul writes his letters to the church at Galatia. So um, the ministry is beginning to expand. Paul is beginning to um, move the gospel through the Holy Spirit um, into Asia Minor. Um, so while they're there, uh, Barnabas and Paul again, uh, they enter a synagogue, um, as was their habit in Cyprus, uh, to teach on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, uh, as it was the trad- tradition in the synagogues, um, a regular liturgy was read. So, Something from, we learn here, that something from the law and the prophets um, is read. And then the people, the leaders of the synagogue, ask Paul uh, to give an exhortation uh, from the scripture that's being read. And then he stands up, and as is um, the tradition of rabbis, to stand up, and it says that he made a hand motion. Um, to have everyone silent and to listen. And he gave his sermon um, with authority, um, with the authority of a rabbi in the And I think I I wanna stop uh, right here because um, as we've seen in Acts, we've seen different sermons, right? We've seen multiple sermons by Peter early on in Acts. We saw sermons by Stephen um, given um, before his execution. And these were all done in Jerusalem um, in response in the synagogues, in the temple, actually. And and, um, they found opposition from uh, the religious leaders in the temple. And Paul's sermon here is very similar. It follows the same patterns as uh, Stephen and Peter's, um, but there are some exceptions. And so I'm not going to go too much into... Paul's exhortation in the synagogue, except to say to stop and say that uh, we can read, we can approach the word of God and Scripture in so many days, in so many ways. Even today, when we approach the word of God or Scripture as a community, we don't simply use Scripture anecdotally or take one verse or a couple of verses as proof text. Uh, to defend one agenda or one point we're trying to make. Some churches do that or some leaders may do that. But if we're to take the sermons and acts by Peter and Stephen and here by Paul as an example, they take the whole entire arc of scripture to tell the big picture story of God's redemption and narrative redemption narrative for his people. They don't take bits and pieces here. Bits and pieces are being read in the synagogue as the liturgy. But from there, they give their exhortation by turning to the whole arc of uh, the Law and the Prophets uh, to tell a story. So Paul's sermon here is similar to that of Peter and Sermon. Peter and Stephen. And in the first part of his sermon, he traces the history of Israel, just like Peter and Stephen did. And God's salvific promises to Israel. But unlike Peter and Stephen, uh, Paul does not bring up Israel's ingratitude or Israel's disobedience. He doesn't focus in on that. And I think that's because he's not just speaking to Jews in the synagogues, but he's also speaking to Gentile God-fearers. And if we remember, God-fearers are Gentiles who come into uh, the Jewish faith, um, who accept Judaism... And are practicing um, the, relig- the religion of uh, Judaism in the, they're in the synagogues. So there's a mixed crowd that Paul uh, is speaking to. And so I think that's one of the reasons he's not saying, oh, this is Israel's disobedience or this, this is Israel's stubbornness. Because it's not the, it's not the history of everyone um, that's in their audience. So he goes through the history of god's salvific promises but then next paul introduces in verse 23 this idea that god has brought to israel jesus christ a savior jesus whom he had promised so the scripture is being connected to this future promise of the messiah jesus being brought to the people of israel in order to save them and then the key pivot for paul and his message is that both for the descendants of Abraham and the God-fearing Gentiles that are listening to him, as we see in verse 26, fat salvation is both for the children of Abraham and inclusive to the Gentiles. Paul then remo- moves to the rejection of Jesus, talks about his death and then his resurrection. Um, But unlike Peter and unlike Stephen or as a distinction from Peter and Stephen's uh, sermon is that he doesn't use this rejection of Jesus uh, as a condemnation for his audience, right? If you remember, Peter was like, and you killed Jesus on the cross. Uh, There's no condemnation from Paul because, again, he's not speaking just to the religious leaders, Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. He's speaking to gentiles as well and to this his audience he's saying um, that jesus was rejected by israel's leaders and so this is the reason that the good news is now moving to those in the diaspora not just for the jews but to gentiles um, as well so we remember the image of jesus's parable of the banquet table of uh the the ruler having a party and inviting people left and right and uh, The people rejecting the invitation saying, oh, I gotta finish my work. Oh, I have to deal with my family and rejecting the The, the person's invitation to the banquet table uh, And so then The leader says go to the highways and byways invite the poor invite uh, um, Those who don't uh, who are in need to my party and that being a parable of the jews rejecting jesus but then god turning to the gentiles and saying my party will continue if you're not going to listen i'm going to invite other people and this is what paul is saying that yes jesus was rejected but god but the message is not just for the jews the message is we're going to turn and move the gospel good news to the gentiles So then we learn that Paul and Barnabas leave the temple, the synagogue, and the message is being spilled out of the synagogue and people uh, begin to crowd around them and ask them, will you come back next week and teach at the next, at the next Sabbath? And not only um, is this the God-fearers and the Jews within the synagogue, Are now listening, but it says that the next by the next week, almost the entire city of Antioch in Pisidia gather around Paul and they are intent, they're really listening and receiving the message, and they're drawn to the message that uh, Paul is bringing. And um, our scripture says that the Jews on the next sabbath after the whole city gathered to hear the word of the lord the jews saw the crowds and i'm thinking the the jews in the synagogues the leaders in the synagogues and they were filled with jealousy and they began to contradict what paul was saying and heaped abuse on them why are the synagogue leaders jealous why are they jealous right it's not it's nothing new i mean they are even Uh, at least semi-inclusive of Gentiles because they have God-fearers showing up on a Sabbath service in their synagogue. Um, So there is some kind of acknowledgement that God wants inclusivity of Gentiles uh, and kind of a pathway for Gentiles into the synagogue. Um, So they're being inclusive. Um, So why are they jealous? And I... I think they're jealous because the message has moved through Paul and in the power of the Holy Spirit outside of the synagogue, outside of their purview, their specific purview. A God-fearer here or there in the synagogue, that's fine. But almost the entire city, mostly of Gentiles, being drawn in to hear their message, right the message of god and the scriptures the law and the prophets and the messiah hearing their message um being brought by paul and people being drawn in droves it's out of control right the message is just moving beyond their scope beyond their influence beyond their control and so they just as with peter and stephen and with jesus these leaders are jealous and they're angry and they want to uh, oppose paul and they want to go against him Um, and the thing that i want us to get out of this the thing that this taps into is when we say gospel the gospel means good news that means people who truly receive the gospel are filled with joy are drawn in celebrate because all of us know good news when we receive it, amen? When we receive good news, right? We celebrate, we jump up, we're happy because it means God cares about us. It means something good is about to happen. It means what was suffering and what was bad news is turning and circumstances are changing. changing. It means that we're being affirmed and encouraged. That's what good news is, whether it, it's a love letter, right, from someone we care about, whether it's an email of encouragement, whether it's something in the mail that comes that says, hey, you've actually won something, or whether it's, you know, a headline in the newspaper that talks about uh, something that inspires us um, about humanity or uh, the love of people, um, when we hear good news, it celebrates. So something is wrong with a person or a group of people when there is good news being shared to beyond to other people and we can't celebrate. We're reminded of the older son in the prodigal son. Again, in the image of the prodigal son, the older son, when everyone is celebrating because... The younger son has returned and the younger son has experienced redemption is being brought back into the family and there's a party. The older son can't celebrate even though this is good news for the younger son. For the father, his own father is happy again, is filled with joy again because of the older son's self-centeredness, because of his narcissistic uh, insistence upon Everything centering upon him, he doesn't have the capacity to feel joy to experience the good news on behalf of other people. And, church, this is a lesson for us. When good news goes out to other people, when the good news or the message or the ministry moves beyond our purview, moves outside of the church walls, moves outside of the synagogue. And we see people coming and coming and receiving. We see a successful ministry or someone else down the street doing something good on behalf of the neighborhood. And we can't celebrate. There's something wrong. That means we're focused just on our things, just on what we're doing. We're self-centered on our programs, our building, our ministry, our gospel. And What the Holy Spirit is doing here now in Acts is moving the gospel beyond any walls, beyond any culture, beyond any ethnicity, and saying God cares about all of his children, not just the children of Abraham, but also the Gentiles. And we, you, are supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. That's what it says in scriptures. And frankly, most of us listening right now, most of us who go to church, most of us who are listening to the word of God in our service right now are Gentiles. We're beneficiaries of Paul's ministry beyond the synagogues, beyond the temple in Jerusalem, to the ends of the earth. We are beneficiaries of that. Who owns the gospel? This sometimes is a sad dynamic because it has to do with power. And quite frankly, it often involves culture and ethnicity. Who owns the gospel? Who holds the keys to the church? Who is the center of God's attention? Sometimes we pat ourselves on the back Right? And we say, oh, we're doing diversity, we're reaching out to those people over there, we're reaching out to people who are not like us, we're reaching out to people who speak different language, to immigrants, to um, the homeless people, we're, we're, we're seeking diversity, oh, we had this or this family come to our service the other day, and they're not... They're different than us, and they eat different food, and they speak different languages. We're helping people who just came from other countries. All the while, while we pat ourselves on the back, we're still a part of a system that reflects the larger empire, right? Our our country in general. All the while, many people of color or ethnic churches remain captive to the do- white dominant culture church we see other churches right from a lens of oh there are people to be reached out to oh they're a mission our mission to go out and include them when what we see in acts is no you're not the center the synagogue right and you leaders are not the center of what God is doing. God is busting out. The Holy Spirit is busting out. And the gospel, good news is for all people and all people are God's children. Not There aren't different layers and levels. Yes, Jesus said that the gospel is for the Jews first and then to the ends of the earth. But now, right? Now is the time in Acts right here, Acts 13, When the gospel is going out to the gentiles and paul is even emphasizing right god's done with this right now is the time we're opening up the banquet table to everyone right you're not the center of attention it's moving past this so you either get on right or you're not or you're out and um, in the church being birthed by the holy spirit The narrative of God's story is busting out of the limitations of one ethnic group. We are the people of God. We are the people of God, and look what happens. Yet, we get some of the same patterns as earlier in Acts in Jerusalem. We get a sermon, right? We get the gospel message presented. We get resistance from uh, the religious. Establishment, but we also see that people are filled with joy, people are drawn and attracted to the message that the apostles are giving. Here, an entire city is urging Paul and Barnabas to give them more, give us more, we want to hear more. And the city is gathered around them. And verse 48, we learn that when the Gentiles hear, Right? Paul's word from scripture that that God says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That they're included in the good news of God's salvation story. When the Gentiles hear this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed to eternal life believed. They're like, this is free. Eternal life is free! It's for all of us! And then we get another Acts summary, as is the pattern all throughout Acts. We learn that this burgeoning Gentile community of faith is part of the story. Verse 49, the word of God spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited God-fearing women of high standing. There's persecution, there's resistance as is the pattern in Acts. But nevertheless, the word of God spreads. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So Paul and Barnabas, they shook off the dust of their feet, warning them, and went to Iconium. And 52, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. In spite of resistance, in spite of persecution, one, the pattern is the word of God continues to spread and the community of Jesus followers grow and joy. The disciples are filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. When the good news of God, of Jesus Christ is moving, we experience joy, we witness joy, in the receivers and in the disciples of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit, joy, spirit, and growth. And we see this here as Paul and our scripture in Acts is pivoting now towards an exclusive kind of focus on uh, the gospel going out to the Gentiles. And we're gonna see um, this story continue Um, Do the rest of Acts. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you um, that your word is for all of us. And if we ever get to a place where we are hoarding your word like manna, like the people of Israel and manna trying to collect all the manna they can and store it up. Um, that we can't do that. It's not about collecting, it's not about grabbing things for ourselves, but your word, your gospel is intended to move outward, to spill out in this uncontrollable movement of the Spirit. Let us participate in the movement of your Spirit to bring joy and good news to more and more people. Let us not fight your tides, but instead ride your wave, the wave of your spirit. Forgive us for the ways that we try to put you in a box, to put your message in a box, to put your ministry in a box. And as we are in uh, unprecedented times, Uh, as the church as we're trying to figure out how to pivot what's the new normal what does it mean to be church what does it mean to reach out to people will you give us new vision fresh wineskins and a sensitivity to the holy spirit um, and what what you're doing through your word so that we can celebrate when we see you reach new people and new ways because you know best Our ways are not your ways. Your ways are higher than our ways. So may we submit to your Holy Spirit and be carriers of your word in humility. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.